You're listening to the Over a Drink podcast, the podcast dedicated to normalizing normal men talking about normal things, putting purpose to pain, turning men into soldiers, and weaponizing testimonies. I'm Mitch Parsons, and I am your host. The Over a Drink podcast. I don't know what episode this is, but welcome to the Over a Drink podcast. My name is Mitch Parsons, and I am your host, and Man, I am so excited for tonight's episode. It's a night episode. This is the first time in a while that I haven't had coffee. But the thing is, is uh, my guest didn't want anything but water, which is probably a good thing uh, for our health and for our hydration. Um, I am drinking water. Bernard is also drinking water. My friend Bernard. Uh, fun thing about Bernard is he's actually an astronaut. Um, he's an astronaut who plays every instrument under the sun. Um, he's not actually an astronaut. He's yeah, none of that was exaggerated. It, no, no, no exaggerations. He's not actually an astronaut. He's actually just the kindest, most, uh, generous. I literally love him so much. It's unbelievable. It's like, he's the coolest person that I know. He fly fishes. Uh, he, what else does he do? He MDs for, uh, if that's a music director, uh, plays the guitar. He's a vocalist. He plays the keys. Pretty sure he can play the bass. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a percussionist. Uh, He produces music. He's the best donut giver outer at a church that has ever, ever been. Um, He is a, uh, it's something, why am I, uh, a space engineer, essentially, right? He works for a a company that sends stuff to Mars. Uh, That's super cool. Um, But I'm talking a lot about him. Actually, I'm going to keep going. Bernard is, he's hating that I'm doing this because if any, if anybody knows Bernard, he is truly just your favorite person. Uh, it's a it's a joy to be. It's an honor and a blessing to have him as a friend, but it's a joy just to be in the same room as him. And so, if you don't know Bernard, get yourself a Bernard. He's I already have one, and you can't have him. He's mine. So um, find a Bernard in your life. Uh, Bernard, hi. Well, Mitch. Um... It's good to see you. <laughs> and wow, that was a lot of uh, undeserved uh, kindness and praise right there. But it is good to be here. Uh, not undeserved. Uh, underdone. Underdone. Not enough. Uh, but so, Bernard, if you were to describe yourself in 45 seconds, you have an elevator pitch, you get to talk to somebody for three floors and they get to, and they need to know who you are because they're going to walk off of that elevator and go explain you to somebody. You have 45 seconds. Go. Okay. Well, I am an aerospace engineer. I, um, I'm what's called a spacecraft thermal engineer, um, by day. And, um, when I'm not working, I'm serving at my church, um, a local church called restoration church and uh, I'm a musician there. I also um, love fly fishing uh, whenever I can, whenever I'm not working or at church. And um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, Bernard is a fly fisher, but also a photographer of his. He's not like the annoying person who posts a picture of like them holding their fish. He somehow does it artistically where he gets like 
the coolest colors in the background of where he's going and he gets like and he does it all on a potato android phone so i don't know how he does it um bernard i i am excited for this because you keep saying that your testimony is boring that you are boring uh and I just don't believe, I know that that's not true. And so I'm excited for this because you upstairs, even just now you were like, Hey, this is going to be a pretty Manila vanilla ice cream testimony. And I'm like, "Eh, I like vanilla ice cream. So, uh, I don't think that it will be because I just know what I'm going to talk to you about, but I want to give you the option and the, and the opportunity, um, no direction, where do you want to go? Um, well, <clears throat> we could start with with uh, I mean, you touched on it, vanilla testimony. What I mean by that is, growing up, I, it, you know, like growing up in the church, everyone else seemed to have cool testimonies of you know, falling away and, and doing this, doing that things they shouldn't be doing. And then, and then awesomely just, just finding redemption and coming back to the Lord, like to someone as boring as me, well, to someone who with a childhood as boring as mine, that seemed to be the cool thing. And I know what just about everyone listening is thinking. No, it's a blessing to, to be able to say something like that. And, um, yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't say that. I don't mean to sound arrogant as I say something like that. Um, because I know very much, um, the blessings and the, and the protections that the Lord had, had, um, had bestowed upon me and my family growing up. That's not to say I did not have my own struggles growing up. Um, yeah, I think I I was reflecting on this the past few months. I think the majority that most of who I've become, I think can be attributed to a time when I was constantly being bullied. Mm -hmm. And just from that place of, um, insecurity and, uh, just feeling violated. I think, I think that's, uh, sadly what, um, well, maybe not entirely sadly, but that's what shaped me into, uh, who I am today. I've, I've had plenty opportunities to, to see, uh, what kind of person I didn't want to become. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I think, I thank God for getting me out of that. Um, I fully believe in, uh, you know, my sanctification being perfectly customized for me that, that only I could have gone through and that goes for everyone else. And so I, I firmly believe that I went through everything I did so that I can be on the trajectory that I currently am Mm. on. And so, yeah, although I would never wish the, the bullying 
that I experienced upon anyone. I, I'm glad I went through it and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. Yeah. And I love what you said though, about your, and that's the thing is that's what we're doing is we're weaponizing like pot, like testimonies, like you, you alone went through your testimony, your life. Therefore, you have all of those tools in your toolkit that are specific to you that when you walk into a room, anybody who's been bullied, you're like, hey, me too. And I think that's cool. I, I, I would just be, I'm curious as to, and maybe, and maybe this is wrong, but a big part of what you and I have talked about before, and I think this might have, this might be. Um, I don't know. You tell me. So, so when it comes to bullying, this was elementary school. This was, this was elementary school, a little bit into middle school. And, and, and did it have to do with, because you've talked about being the only Korean person in a room before you've talked about being like, did that have to do with it or growing up in California or was it just, what, what was the. Actually, surprisingly enough, I was never the only Asian person in any room uh, just from the fact that I grew up in the Silicon Valley where it was only Asians. So um, that's a Parker, that's a, that's a Colorado thing then. Yeah. So race, race really had nothing to do with my being bullied. Okay. I think it was just cause I, I come from such a sweet household. My, my folks, if anyone's ever met them, they're really kind. They're amazing. Yeah. They, they're, they're so, kind the apple's not that, far from the tree. <laughs> they're so they're so kind and sweet that that if you try to throw sarcasm their way it would go over their head that's the kind of <laughs> kind of sweet they are you know and, yeah and um i think just being raised by you know with that uh, and keep in mind they were immigrant parents right um i think i was just a very easy target and, you know, growing up, you know, kids try and find the, uh, find ways to be the cool kid, you know. And unfortunately, um, you know, uh, asserting dominance over another person, uh, I think, uh, unfortunately, is one of those ways. Mm-hmm. And we see it persist, you know. Uh, it, clearly, that's that's still everywhere today. Yeah. Um, so I'm not at all saying that, that my, that, you know, being bullied is like, you know, that, that, that was such a crazy, unique thing, but it was my thing. And yeah. Um, I hope that it's, not, I mean, actually, okay. That, that sounds bad. I was gonna say, I hope that it's not crazy unique, but the thing is, is like my, my hope is that people listening to this are res, will res, there, there's no way. I mean, I grew up in, a, in, everyone has gone to middle school. Everyone has gone to elementary school for the most part. And I I don't think that your experience is unique to you, um, not to devalue it, but to almost empower it in the fact that like what you're saying is speaking to people. Um, I truly believe that. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious how that shaped, because you said it shaped a lot of who you are. Um, yeah. In what ways? Well, it it started out kind of dark. 
um, you know, you immediately learn as a kid to put up walls, right? Immediately, I, I was just, you know, always defensive. I was always, my posture was, um, you know, that of someone always on defense, always thinking something's coming at me, something's going to blindside me. And so, um, that really affected me during high school and college when I really started to, it's funny cause sorry, this is a little tangent, but I promise I I'm going to bring it back. I love I, tangent. <laughs> I promise I'll bring it back. So growing up, I also <laughs> was not allowed to watch any TV. Um, well, I was allowed to watch five minutes of TV a day and I kid you not five minutes. And so when there was commercials, you know, it's game over, you know? Yeah. But, um, once I went to college, you know, and my parents were no longer there, I had all the TV time in the world. Right. And so I, I was raised, um, you know, bilingual Korean and English, but I was never, um, my, my English was poor and so was my Korean. And so I, I, I always felt stuck. I never knew how to, how to accurately portray the thoughts in my head and the feelings that, you know, that I was, uh, harboring. And so now I'm in college with all the TV time in the world and I just, um, consumed, um, anything and everything that, that seemed so smart and, um, and, um, entertaining to me. And that was actually, uh, Conan and Mm. South Park. And I'm taking all of that in. Right. And, and that's, that, that was where I learned. Um, like, I think that was where I learned, um, um, all these different kinds of sarcasms. And so, so think of a really insecure def- defensive kid trying, seeing that, Oh, you can jab someone this way and you can, you can mention um, their insecurities in that way. And, and so now I'm just, I'm just a walking weapon, I guess, just cutting everybody down. Right. Mm just thinking that if I cut them down first, right, I'll walk away unscathed, right? And so in my Korean Christian community there, yeah, um, I'm so thankful for the people who um, stuck around to stay friends with me. Um, Because honestly, when I reevaluate the kind of person I was in college, man, I'm the kind of guy you would want to punch in the face honestly. Um, so that's one way bullying shaped me. Um, but that in turn led me to run into a pastor later on in life who was just going to have none of it. (laughs) And, uh, he basically instilled the fear of God in me. (laughs) And, uh, and I think that, probably saved my life. Mm. Um, it, yeah, that was probably the start of me, uh, no longer, uh, looking for trouble 
And I realized that this cannot be the direction that um, my being delivered from bullying should be taking. Hmm. Right. There, it, there has to be more um, wholesome, productive, holy way that I could take my story. And so um, that takes me to youth ministry. I've been involved in youth ministry since, um, you know, um, the early 2010s. And um, yeah, I've just always made it a point to let my kids know that um, just that kind of bullying just will not be tolerated Hmm. because um, yeah, it led me to question bullying led me to question whether my life was worth it or not. Wow. It, it led me to, to that edge. Yeah. Like pondering and, and, and I was so nerdy with it too. Like, like how many volts and amps and watts would it take to, to, to shut my body off or how, you know, how, how what kind of, what kind of strength does a rope need to be? Hmm. Very dark stuff. Yeah. But I, I've been making it a point to let all my classes know that it will never be said of my class that, uh, that, uh, we have a bully and we allow it to happen. Hmm. That will never be, that will, I will never allow that to be said of my class, Hmm. you know? And when you say class, he's speaking to like right now, his boys are seniors at, at the Littleton campus in, in like in not in the Littleton campus in Lakewood. No, the Littleton campus, uh, in Red Red Rocks Rocks, church, Red Rocks church. So your senior boys class will never be the bullies. They'll never. Yeah. Um, Mm. if I find out that it ever happened, then yeah, I would pull, pull them aside and, and have a chat Put the fear of God in them. Well, no, no, because they know. Because I, 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 I drilled that into them since they were eighth grade. Hmm. So um, they know. Yeah. Well, first of all, good on you for, man, you're a staple in those boys' lives. You're a pillar. Um, a lot of people, whether their home life is good or not, don't have somebody in their life from eighth grade to senior year. Like that is, that is good on you. And, Man, I'm sorry that you that you had those like those thoughts are not I, I've experienced them. Maybe not to the to the the to the physics and end that you did. Um because I just my brain doesn't work that way. Um guys, but just a side note, Bernard, I put uh buns in the oven when I had Bernard over for dinner one night and completely forgot that I had and they were on broil and (laughs) Bernard and I were sitting at the table on the other side of the room uh, and all of a sudden the buns were legitimately on fire I had eight fire buns on garlic bread garlic fire buns that luckily was snowing outside I ran outside threw the garlic bread into the snow burn automatically goes 
physics mode and opens up the right windows in the right rooms, turns on the attic fan and goes, the airflow is going to be going this way and this way and this way and that and this and this. And then it didn't smell like smoke in my house. And I don't know how he did it. He's a magician. Uh, but anyways, um, I, I have been in those thought spaces. And I think that that is so important because I think people like you, I think people like me who have, I think just generally most humans, if you've experienced something bad and you've gone to those dark places, whether that be the loss of someone and you're in that place, you're in a place where you're contemplating taking your own life, where you've lost your job and you are like these super low moments, you want to protect people from those. Like you'll do anything that you can to, to shield them from that almost. Um, and, or to do your best to, cause I don't know if you can completely, you can't go to school with them. Like you can't, you can't protect them from bullies at school cause you can't sit in their backpack. Um, as fun as that would be. Uh, but you can prepare those students so that they aren't the ones doing the bullying. And that's what you're doing. Not just that they're not the ones doing the bullying, but that they're also not simply bystanders. They're advocates because yeah. Uh, growing up, when I saw someone else being bullied, I never did the right thing hmm. and, and, and raised my voice. I just walked away just thinking, no, that's, you know, that's, that's how it goes. You're just unlucky today. Tomorrow least, it may be me. Yeah. This is just how it goes. I wonder what that would look like in the workplace. Like if we weren't afraid, if like, cause there's bullying that goes on and I, I, I work from home. So luckily Luckily, maybe unluckily, some people love working in the office, but I don't really put up with people a lot. Um, but I hear stories of office bullies um, or just jerks, D-bags, people that we don't like to be around. I wonder what that would look like. Like your students now taking that into Lockheed Martin. Not that you have bullies, but like like because I think a big thing is like the reason why people don't stand up is fear. Is like there's a fear of retaliation, fear of retaliation, and a fear of of like what is the result? Like if I stand up, how is it going to? Because it might not be a retaliation against you, but there will might be negative results that come towards me as a result of like it won't be a direct retaliation, but it's um, product of I don't know being brave. Yeah, ideally you would have absolutely no retaliation at all. Ideally, um, um, those sour relationships won't affect any future, um, you know, uh, business-related endeavors. Yeah, I, and that's yeah. I say ideally. I am protect. I feel protected where I work. Thankfully enough, because I work at a big enough company where. You know, we're all, we're all required to take certain, you know, courses, um, uh, reporting on something and, and also, um, we have, we have repercussions for retaliation as well. And Mm so, um, I'd like to think that, um, I am protected, but I mean, who knows it? You know, what if I, what if I actually do start getting bullied by someone who's like so smart and so, um, indispensable to the company that the, to the company, it'd be cheaper to get rid of me or to, it'd be cheaper to just have me quit. Right. And yeah. it, it'd be, 
it'd be a lot easier, um, um, to not resolve it for me. Who knows? Right. Yeah. But, uh, but at, at least, at least we have, um, at least we have something that, that may work in my favor, in my defense, yeah. in my favor, if, if I would ever be bullied, hmm. um, in the workplace. I don't know. Did that make sense? Yeah. I just started talking. No, I love, the thing is, I just love talking. So if we just keep <laughs> going on, we can talk about, um, how has it shaped? How, okay. So the person that you are today, um, man, I think, I think to the reason, like you're pretty introverted. Have you always been introverted? I think so. Well, I'll get a little extroverted depending around on me of friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, you, can you talk about like what is fishing to you? Oh, fishing! F- fishing is where I probably feel closest to God. Hmm. Why fly fishing is? Um, because I started taking it very seriously. I started studying. Um you know, the life cycles and what the fish go through up here, what the trout go through up here in Colorado. Um, just with the, with the harsh climates around here. And I started studying the entomology, which is the, you know, the, the aquatic biology, um, all the insects, which is the food source for the trout and, and just, um, um, immersing myself in nature. Um, um, it, it just, it just makes me feel more connected to the creator. Cause if you think about it, so, uh, one thing I love about fly fishing is, uh, I mean, this may be disputable, but, um, we give the trout as, as much advantage as possible, I guess. Um, we use super thin lines for stealth, I guess. Um, I use barbless hooks. So the fish hat, you know, the fish can pop off if I don't keep the line taut. Um, however, when I do have a fish on at the other end of that super thin line, uh, like three pound test line, uh, I'm connected to another part of another piece of creation, hmm. right? That fish has the same creator that I do, right? And so for that moment, when I have a fish on the end of that line, I just feel that much closer to, you know, to our shared creator. Hmm. And, um, yeah, and no, just, uh, for anyone wondering, I, I do not harvest. So I, I let him go, um, as unscathed as possible. Well, they have to take a picture with you. Yes. They take a picture with you. Yeah. <laughs> I think you said something super cool one time. Not I think. I know that you said something super cool one time to me. It was that fly fishing is fun to you, but if you don't catch any fish, at least you got a really cool hike and you got to see some really pretty places. And I think that that's such a cool perspective because I'm, comp- I'm competitive and I'm like, if I hiked all this way and I didn't catch a single damn fish, that's a waste of time. 
like I don't care about the the trees over there or the I don't care about the hike on the way up here. I want to catch three fish because I heard Bernard caught two last weekend and I better catch three. And like <laughs> so like that's just me versus like the the perspective that you have for the appreciation of nature and the appreciation of like the art of it. I admire in you. I think that it's cool that man I'm not even a, I'm that's a new fact that I learned that you went and studied the life cycles of fish and the biology uh of the um of the of the river and the different like why am I blanking on the, the insects the insects and it doesn't surprise me even a little because you also are into cooking and you are into the science of cooking like you are into the science of the different wood pellets that you use in smoking and the right temperatures that it has to get there and like I think you, I wouldn't even say you like cooking. You just like to cook meat. You know, <laughs> you know. What else is there? Vegetables. Uh, come on. Uh, but fun fact: if uh, Bernard taught me this, that if you uh, salt a steak uh, while it's like you, what, what was it? You you pat dry it. If you cook it in a sous vide, you pat dry it. And if you salt it, the steak will then absorb the salts into itself by cooling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's the season your board method. Yeah. yeah. Which I use now. So if y'all want to be a steak, come to my house. I'll cook it up. Uh, but, okay, so. Um, yeah, so for me, I guess I love – I don't know if what I'm about to say is going to apply to everything else yeah. in life, but I, I, what I love of fly fishing, it, to me, it's where where science and art collide. Hmm. And what I mean by art is I also tie my own flies. I design the the lures and uh, for specific waters at specific seasons and and. Oh man, that there's no better feeling than 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 catching a trout on a fly that you tied and designed yourself. And so specifically for that trout. Yeah, that's where science meets art. That's where function meets fashion. And 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 uh where those two intersect, I I, I just I just love the beauty um in that. Hmm. I love that. That's super cool. Uh, or fashion meets function. I think that that's something that I wrestle with all the time is like, um, my, my wife is an attention to detail person, like very attention to detail. And I'm very much an efficient person. I want to get it done in the most efficient way possible where fashion meets function is where her attention to detail meets my uh efficiency and that's where we but we don't find that crossroads very often it's more often than not one of us is pissed (laughs) um but i think that that's i think that that's so cool that you're able to for someone who is so I don't know. You you upstairs. I think that you give I think that you give yourself less credit than you deserve when it comes to you, we were talking about how like your life you're expected to be boring. 
like how you were raised. You were expected to be boring. You take the boring classes. You take the boring, you go to the boring school, quote unquote. Uh, you do the boring job until you die of boredom, <laughs> like is essentially how you describe your life. But then you go into like these little pockets of there's nothing boring about the ecosystem of a specific river in a season. Like you're looking at all these variables and you're doing all of these things. And I think that that's super cool. I would love actually for you to talk about that. Um, the, Oh gosh. Um, and this is kind of a, a question that I, we're just going to go for it. Uh, culturally, you were raised uh, in a a culture where going to UCLA was not enough. Uh, you were raised in a culture where being an astro engineer, right? Aerospace, aerospace astro, just because you're you're an astronaut, um, uh, is not a doctor. And we've talked about these things where these really cool things that you do culturally. And this is not speaking to your parents. Your parents are amazing. I've met your parents. I love your parents. Yes, they did not impose. They that did not. This is this is the. Um, it's the Silicon Valley mindset. Yeah. So, yes, um, I went to um, UCLA uh, because I didn't get into Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, Berkeley. Along with 97% of the rest of the world. Sorry, continue. I, it, yeah, I I came from what, what I like to think is a very toxic educational environment. Um, I grew up, I mean, after after school, what would I do? I I would go to like, Two to three hours of extracurricular tutoring. Uh, I'd have two to three hours of piano lessons. I'd have um, one to two hours of SAT classes. These are not all on one day. Uh, well, sometimes they could be. <laughs> um, and I, and the reason why I did all that is because everyone else was doing that. And if I didn't do that, I am now behind. And, um, um, you know, UC Berkeley, UCLA, Stanford, they, you know, they're all right there. So they all know the high school culture there. And so they'll spot out, oh, this guy didn't try as hard as all these other kids. And so, um, yeah, it, um, I got into UCLA. Uh, there was part of me that was very happy. There was also part of me that was really sad because I saw all my other friends go way above and beyond, um, you know, UCLA and, um, oh, and yeah, I became an engineer cause I thought the only things you could be were a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. And I was too dumb to be a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> and so I, I didn't know literally anything else was out there. Um, um, I didn't realize you could do anything else. Um, maybe that's just, um, well, definitely that's, that's 
my fault for that kind of ignorance. If I could go back, I, well, let's not do that. I could go back thing. Uh, if, if I have the honor, the privilege to become a father someday, I, uh, yeah, I'm going to make sure, uh, he's not raising an environment. He or she is not raising a environment like that. And it's, it's really telling when like in my workplace, the smartest people, the smartest people I know came out of like, and this is, I do not mean any disrespect to these schools. Um, they came out of university of Nebraska, university of Iowa, and they're kicking my butt. They, like they make those of us who went to UCLA, UC Berkeley and Stanford, like they make those of us just who went there, just realize, wait a minute, the, these are just, it did not mean anything that we went to such, uh, um, highly ranked schools for engineering. It's just a brand name. That's all it is. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not like UCLA was learning, uh, a higher quality of the laws of physics than any other school. We're we're all learning the same laws of physics. And so, um, yeah, it, it was a real eye open. It was very humbling, um, seeing, um, um, that I did not have to do that. Hmm. Um, that, um, and that's not to say don't try as hard, right? Yeah. I'm saying perhaps there is a healthier way. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think I, I fought that tension a little bit. I mean, Vanderbilt is, um, and high, a very prestigious school, a top 10 school. Uh, and I chose it because of that. And today, the fact that I went to Vanderbilt, well, actually I didn't graduate, so I don't have it on my degree, but the fact that I qualified to get into Vanderbilt, it didn't get me my job. (laughs) My, my bosses do not care that I went there, that I scored a certain grade on my ACT that I did. I didn't even take the ACT. Or not the ACT, the SAT. Uh, y'all did uh, in California. Did you take the ACT? I don't even know what the ACT was. It was all about the SAT where I was from. See, what it is is 1 to 36 is just a lot easier to quantify um, than, than whatever. What, I don't even know. What, what does SAT go to? What's like a perfect score? 1,600? Well, when I did it, it was 1,600. And then I think literally the year after me, they changed it up to 2,400. And I think recently they brought it back down to 1,600. Right. I don't know. It's, I'm uh, not a it, fan of these tests. No, standardized testing can suck it. Um, I I think I was the opposite of you, though, where like you over – I think – I don't know. I think I was, you, you did one thing as far as like you studied for this test. You, you tried to keep up with the, everyone else's around you. The climate. The climate where the climate that I grew up in, I just middle fingered it. I was like, (laughs) I was like, y'all are going to try super hard either. I'm going to get in or I'm not, I'm not going to like, and maybe that was, I think there's a happy medium (laughs) because I, I showed up to the ACT without opening a book to study the ACT. And I just took the, I just took it. I was like, this is what I am. Here we go. Um, 
probably should have not done that. I am today where I am, but um, yeah, I think that that pressure that you that you sit under is something that people commonly because yours is a is a um, a microcosm of microcosm is the right, right word right um, like this little bubble that the Silicon Valley is representative of the entire world. Like I think in a way, but in a more intense way, like you, you feel the magnifying glass a little heavier, but, but there's almost this standard or pressure of people to maintain an image depending on where they are. So like yours was going to Stanford, but when I grew up in Parker, it was, uh, do you have a four bedroom house with two and a half dogs and three kids? And are you driving this car? And everything might be shit on the inside, but does it look okay? And like yours is similar, but just education. Like you internally were not doing great. Like you were being bullied. You were, you were, I'm sure your self-esteem at the time was just plummeting because you weren't measuring up to these standards that you put on yourself for not meeting the standards of people putting it on you. And because of that, you just maintained this dude, UCLA to the world is insane. Like that's a great school, but to Bernard, because it didn't meet your expectations, it's not the pretty Stanford, uh, diploma. Um, and I think that that's something that I've had multiple guys come on here and talk about, like this meeting of expectations and what happens when you don't. Right. In short, um, I let the enemy have his way just with my thoughts. Because hmm. you're right. Uh, I should have been all that time I spent stressing myself out and feeling not up to par could have been spent being more grateful. It could have been spent, um, um, well, it could have been, um, spent being a lot more productive than moping around and, and questioning why am I here? And I mean, it's just so silly. The more I think about it, like, you're in a great school and you're the most miserable person. Hmm. Like, what are you doing? Hindsight though. And you have to have grace for yourself. Here's the thing. I think I'm writing about this. So at this point, no one even needs to read my book that I'm writing because I just keep talking about it. But I think shame comes from the, from the enemy whispering when you don't meet a line of expectations and the line of expectations come from a multitude of places. Like right now, like I want to rebuke the shame that you're feeling for not being a good enough Christian in those times or a good enough person of those times. Like how dare I be bothered by it? I'm not meeting the line of when I shouldn't be bothered by it in itself. There is shame for not like that's, you didn't meet the expectation of like, being grateful like the expression is grateful i didn't do it therefore shame shame on you for not that's the enemy still saying and i think like there's different levels of shame within the church of like oh if you don't show up to like dude people show up to our church like you've seen it like in gym shorts and a broncos jersey and then there's like there's other churches where like if you're not wearing a suit and tie shame on you 
Um, and I'm not saying one is better than the other, but I'm saying like there are these lines of of expectations that are created uh, societally. Just, that's a hard word to say, especially with a lisp. Societally, uh, culturally, uh, educationally, church. Um, as a man, if I don't meet these standards, like shame on you. Um, and I wonder what it would be like if the line just didn't exist. Like, would it be like, cause then immediately I'm like, that's complacency. Like that's what, <laughs> but is it like, is that something that where we need to completely restructure how our mind and rewire the, the framework of what we deem as appropriate because that's where shame just gets to like, wiggle its way in into even things like that. You have a good heart behind the idea of saying I should have been more grateful. But anytime I hear the word should have, I'm like, that's shame. Am I crazy for saying that? You can disagree with me. I think there could be an element of shame depending on the posture because there could also be a be an element of repentance. Mm-hmm. You're right, though, it, in that it could very easily slip into shame. Hmm. I don't think it takes much. Um, I think it, it's the length of how long you dwell on it is when it determines if it's shame or not. Because for you to say, you're right, it is, repentance is turning from what, the, what you're doing and going in the opposite direction. A change of heart is truly what repentance is. If the should have statement does not get followed with a I will do, like mm-hmm. in the future, then you're right. Perhaps that's not shame. Or mm-hmm. perhaps that is shame. I love that. Yeah. It's a change of heart. Versus um, it's acknowledging a wrong and maybe not committing to, but maybe committing to a change versus an acknowledging of wrong and s- sitting under that wrong and allowing that to be where you land. Yeah. Um, yeah, if I could get a little bit nerdy, yeah. Um, the, the past is one point, the present is a second point. Where you place your third point in the future, it, that that changes your trajectory completely. Hmm. Yeah. I'm dotting it out on the wall, like in my head. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think because then it, take, it takes it from like for you, I'm going to use your scenario just because it's, it's there. Um, where you said, I should have been more productive, right? I, perhaps I could have been more productive. I, I could, there, yeah, I like that. Yeah, could have been. Because should have then is like, how dare you have done that? And there's no way you can go back and change it at this point. But grace is like, hey, you probably could have gone without eating that apple off of the tree of wisdom. But you did it. And it's okay. <laughs> and, but from here on out, we're not going to eat from there again. Right. Like, like I think for you, it's like, you could have, yeah, but I also probably could have not smoked weed in high school, but I did. 
<laughs> and I I probably could have not done that with that person. <laughs> but whether I allow it to be like, hey, you weren't a good Christian in high school. You smoked weed. And now I'm not a good Christian. Like you're saying trajectory. Like now it's like now I'm not, I just I'm not a good Christian forever because I did that. Didn't meet the expectations. But you get to set your trajectory. You get to set the third point. Only having thought about that analogy for two minutes, I'll say yes. You, you get to set your third. third That's point. all we need. We only need two minutes to run with things in this in this basement. We we'll run until. Actually, y'all, I played basketball last night, and my jumper's knees are unbelievable. Do you know jumper's knee? It's a, your patella and your knee. It gets inflamed from just banging on the floor and it's the worst thing in the world sorry that was just very that probably won't make it into actually i everything makes it into post-production um but uh bernard i i appreciate you coming on so much uh we're at the hour mark already 52 minutes jeez and then i'll throw the the stuff on the front and the back and we'll be i'm trying to um to keep these a little bit more concise and wrapped up um, for the sake of an hour and a half is a long time. But uh, Bernard, if you could do, if you could challenge, um, like what would, I love the idea of the, the phrase, if you're listening to this, we've kind of done, I've done this a few times with like a challenge of like, I would challenge you like as like a man, like through my, like, Maybe you're just like, don't put up with bullying, <laughs> like stand up or, or like, um, what is like a, a tangible, not measurable, but, uh, cause you can, you can, I don't think you can measure certain, I know that you can't measure certain things, but what is something that you can like men like lists? <laughs> so like, do you get where I'm kind of going? Like, is there like something that you could to someone listening to this who has resonated with you and your story, what is one thing maybe that you wish that you would have done that you could tell them, hey, do this, um, and you will avoid the eye of the storm, right? Surround yourself with godly men and women mm. who... who pursue integrity, who pursue character over charisma. Mm. If there is to be charisma, let it only be a bright, be a byproduct mm. from having pursued godly character, character over charisma. And n- never be unteachable. Hmm. By that, what I mean is today, what I see in so many people in our generation and younger generations, uh, the, 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 the idea of the sovereignty of self is so great in them 
that they feel they get to dictate. Let me not say they, let me, I'll say I. I get to dictate when I am teachable. Mm-hmm. I get to dictate the conditions under which I can be taught a lesson. I say only if these stars line up, will I be willing to give you my attention to learn from you. I think there is, I know that there is good in saying, no, don't, don't listen to such, you know, such negative people. Mm -hmm. What I would say is, uh, uh, there is a context in which that is correct, but there is also a context in which, man, what a waste if there was a lesson to be learned from that person uh, trying to give you advice, but because you felt hurt, because you felt your feelings hurt and they and 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 their posture was wrong, you have no right to try and teach me anything. To me, I think that's such a waste of an opportunity. I think you can, because really, if you're only conditionally teachable, how teachable are you really? Mm. Right? One of my favorite quotes is attributed to Aristotle. I don't know if it's truly him, but it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. So you enter most situations with that posture of, of being that teachable and, and not being so arrogant that especially someone older uh, can't teach you a lesson. Um, because I know people say age is just a number, and I know there are outliers of what, like, um, you know, older people who just unfortunately never grew up, right? I understand there are those outliers, but consider it this way. Every year that someone is older than me, that man has made one more revolution around our star. That is a long distance. In that time, right, he has seen that much more than me. And so what a fool I would be to just uh, blindly, well, not blindly, but to enter a a, a conversation um, with someone who, you know, who just may not seem like he's all there or something, um, or 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 he's got his own issues. And w- what a shame if I entered those conversations thinking, oh, he can't teach me anything. There's nothing to be learned here. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna waste time here. Yeah. I love that, A, because to have those conversations, you have to be willing to talk. And then to be willing to talk, you have to be able to have an open mind to listen, uh, open ears to listen. And then it's up to you to make your own decision on whether you, um, I mean, I think you should digest it. But whether or not you choose to believe it or not, like that's up to your agency. Uh, And But the root of it is talk. Like, I think that we can apply what you just said to the mission of this podcast in getting men to talk because I think a lot of times it's like, I'm not going to talk to you because you're not worth my time. What you have to say is not worth it. 
says who. And so I love what you said about the, man, reach out to someone who's older than you uh, and learn something from them. Or you can, I, who was it? It was probably, I think it was Einstein. We're just quoting all these people who's like, I'm, I haven't failed. I've learned a hundred ways that this didn't work. I think it was a tribute to Edison. With Edison. The light bulb. Okay. Yep. There it goes. Edison, another E name, but you can have a conversation with someone and spend an hour and a half with them and talk with them. And at the end of it, be like, cool. I know that I don't believe that way. Yeah. You learn something about yourself. You learn something about yourself and it's the process of elimination. So that would be my challenge for today is like, if you're older, talk to somebody below you in age. Um, and if you're younger, seek out wisdom from above, like, um, well, Jesus, but also like generationally above you, um, and see what that could come from it. Uh, Bernard, thank you for, for jumping on here with me. Thank you for, um, just sharing your wisdom and thank you for being a leader to man plug. My brother-in-law is a youth student, youth pastor. He's acts like a youth student. Um, but if you want somewhere to plug in, maybe not Red Rocks, there's there are a few ministries that are rewarding in the way of youth ministry to see life change uh, in in such a sculptable, moldable uh, mind, heart. Um, man, it's kind of it, it's really cool. So if you if that's maybe that's you, jump into your your church youth ministry. Um, well, until next week, uh, love you guys. Peace. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Over a Drink Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Over a Drink Podcast and on Twitter at over underscore a underscore drink. Reach out and send me a message. I'd also like to encourage you to visit our website at theoveradrinkpodcast.com and sign up for our email newsletter. We're working on weaponizing testimonies here on this podcast, and that isn't exclusive to those who are on the podcast. I'd love for you to send me an email at overadrinkpodcast at gmail.com with a written version of your testimony. I'll put it together in a blog format and then we send it out to everybody on that email list. And in an instant, your testimony will become a weapon. You never know what God is teaching you in your story that may affect somebody else's story. Finally, I want to invite you to join me in supporting this project. There will be a link in the episode notes to a platform called Buy Me a Coffee that will allow you to partner financially with the Over a Drink podcast on a monthly or one-time basis to help move the mission forward of reconfiguring societal norms of what a man should be. Keep an eye out for our next episode. Peace.